Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, Cheryl Ackeson here with another podcast, this time an official podcast that you can find on iTunes and other podcast distributors. I haven't talked much about this before, but it seems like a good time. Some of you likely know that I left CBS News in 2014 ahead of my contract, and there was a lot of reporting and misreporting as to the reasons why. That misreporting took on a life of its own, and once that happens, it seems impossible to establish the real facts. The day I told CBS News I wished to leave my job as an investigative correspondent ahead of my contract, I didn't give them a reason. I didn't see the point because the problem I thought wasn't fixable, nor was it isolated to CBS News. My own take is that as our industry has changed in ways that have become undeniable to most, I was a bit of the canary in the coal mine. By that I mean, I believe I was among the first to really pay attention to the increasingly effective operations to shape and censor the news. The movement to establish narratives rather than follow the facts. And to see the growing influence of smear operations, political interests and corporate interests on the news. It's not that I'm smarter than my peers and I'm surely far less smart than many. But my particular brand of off-narrative investigative reporting happened to draw the intense attention of the smear operators and propagandists, so I began to study it. A case in point, the smear that was promulgated when I left CBS. It was often incorrectly reported that I'd told CBS management I was quitting due to liberal media bias. That false story turned out to be convenient for both political sides, and it largely survives today. It simply wasn't rooted in fact. And I don't recall any reporters who wrote about it even asking me whether it was true. Once a few articles reported that it was true, others simply copied the claim and then adopted it as if it was an established fact, eventually without any attribution. Now there'd be no point in trying to clarify it, it seems. After all, Wikipedia says it's true. No going back from that. Powerful smear groups and certain interests, including some inside CBS at the time, started the narrative that I was conservative, not because they necessarily believed that, but as a tool to controversialize the reporting that I was doing that was contrary to powerful interests. The idea is that if I can be portrayed as a partisan of some kind, then my reporting can be more easily dismissed. In fact, prior to the operation to push the narrative that I'm conservative, my reporting had been lauded by a diverse group of observers, including the likes of liberal Rachel Maddow who once delivered an entire monologue on an investigative expose I did on the charity of then-Representative Stephen Booyer, a Republican from Indiana. In fact, my most recent Emmy Award was for an undercover investigation into Republican fundraising. But the narrative requests, actually it requires, that we forget all that. We must focus on the supposed miraculous metamorphosis that I had. Now, depending on who's doing the spinning, they may insist that I was a rational journalist who went crazy one day and flew to the dark side of conservatism. Or they may say that 
I used to be a devoted liberal, meaning A-OK, but then I decided the big money was in pandering to Republicans, so I sold out. The details of the story aren't important. You're simply to come away with the notion that my reporting is now politically conflicted. Another example of the narrative, many news reports comment that I now work for the conservative Sinclair Broadcast Group. Fair enough, Sinclair is run by a family that's made no secret of their conservative political leanings. But the reporters who note this political connection apparently fail to recognize the inherent conflict in the fact that they eagerly label the conservative group, yet I don't think they've reported that I worked for the liberal CNN, the liberal PBS, or the liberal CBS. Some reporters lack the self-awareness and objectivity to understand they're revealing themselves when they selectively apply labels in a one-sided fashion. They are servicing a narrative, even if unintentionally. When I worked at CNN, it was owned by a billionaire Democrat donor, Ted Turner, a good boss, by the way. When I worked for CBS, the management, Sumner Redstone, Les Moonves, were rich Democrat donors, also a great company to work for during most of my 20 years there. Sinclair has likewise been a terrific employer for me to date. They haven't forced editorial biases in the reporting on my program full measure. The program, in fact, is mostly apolitical, addressing topics such as underreported dangers of MRI dye or how American farmers are suffering under the current trade war with China. Most recently, I did a story on deepfakes, a technology that allows pretty much anybody to use software available online to make it look like people said or did something they never said or did. Anyway, when my program does address politics, you're as likely to see an interview with Representative Eric Swalwell, a Democrat, as you are, to see Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican. But there's the narrative. When a national print media reporter wrote about my program Full Measure a couple of years ago, he incorrectly referred to it as a conservative program. Later, when asked if he'd actually ever seen the program, he admitted he hadn't. Now, it's not that it would be difficult to well, actually do a little bit of reporting rather than repeat a narrative. He could have seen my program. It's on at least a half dozen times a week in the city where this reporter is based, and it's posted online. So as easy as it would have been for him to do some first-hand reporting, which I think you're kind of required to do if you're going to make statements of fact, he chose instead to repeat the narrative. Lara Logan, who recently left CBS News, has also been speaking out about her observations regarding the decline of fair and objective journalism. She's likewise been attacking the narratives, and as such, she has been subjected to them. That's how it works. Obviously, says the narrative, Lara is a disgruntled conservative who is not to be believed. Or, says the narrative, she's perhaps a little unbalanced. You know, all that war reporting and stress. Poor Lara. The truth is, Lara is extremely clear-eyed on these issues, and she and I are far from alone in our views on the state of the media. We agree there is terrific journalism being committed on a daily basis at organizations from the New York Times to local news stations. However, we agree that national media has also become largely co-opted by powerful interests who understand how to direct the news landscape in a way that services certain narratives and agendas. I've heard support from hundreds of journalists, college professors, and media observers over the last several years. I've been reached out to and embraced by reporters in print and on TV, by national and local news reporters, by students, and a Pulitzer Prize winner. 
The efforts to expose flaws and conflicts in media reporting is growing stronger, not weaker, despite the narratives. The desire to affect improvements is building. Make no mistake, not all of us are free to speak publicly, but there are a lot of us. We aren't going away. I hope you enjoyed listening to this short podcast. Share it with your friends and visit CherylAckison.com. Do your own research. Make up your own mind. Think for yourself.